0: I'm Rebecca Rothstein, and along with my co-host Leanne Daly, we'd like to welcome you to Say It Forward. Each week we'll be doing one of my favorite things to do, and that's interviewing interesting people with out-of-the-ordinary life stories. They're all people who took a different path in life. Some never imagined the heights they would achieve, and others, well, they turned their childhood dreams into reality. Sitting in with Leanne and I today is one of our executive producers, Tim Garner. So let's begin.
1: Brett Novick is a model, a philanthropist, and a fashion entrepreneur. He created Good Human, the athletic leisure clothing brand, to share inspired aspirational messages featured on the clothing itself, and to think it all started in a spare bathroom. Brett and his company partner with different charitable causes, and he donates a percentage of all sales to these charities. He'll share what inspires him most and will explain how a Florida kid went from model to soap star to fashion mogul, and how through it all, he was able to preserve his sense of wonder, his sense of humor, and his genuine humility. So let's rewind to the beginning and say it forward with Brett Novick. We'd like to begin at the beginning. Where are you from?
2: I'm from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Grew up with uh, an amazing family, very close knit family. My brother Craig, he's two and a half years older than me. Great brother, always was there for me. Same with my parents. My dad had a small business of his own, and it was called Creative Shutter and Shade. He actually manufactured window treatments, um, and I kind of grew up in the business, watching him do everything. And you know, I was always in that kind of environment of business and a small business and dealing with employees and, and doing that. And I love that. And I really enjoyed that. So I always kind of did that with him growing up. And uh, my mom was a teacher and still is a substitute teacher. Uh, she loved kids. She was a great mother, did everything for us, always put us first. My brother and I, we played sports our whole life. Uh, we were really competitive in baseball and tennis and then kind of had to choose something because we, we played every day. So we both ended up choosing tennis and 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 grew up playing playing that very competitively in the USCA and we were ranked and I think I I had I was pretty talented, but I didn't have the heart and I wasn't 6'5. So sports definitely definitely helped like keep me in line and and you know, kids, yeah, if you get bored, you start doing stupid things. So every day after school playing tennis definitely helped, you know, keep me focused on something positive and um, it also keeps you surrounded by people who are doing positive things. But I think the big reason, like, I never got into any drugs or, like, do anything too much was my parents. You know, they just really always told me, like, my mom kind of scared me about doing drugs. She's just like, you never know, you can die. They're going <laughs> to put a bad thing of drugs in there and you're going to, you know, so I was like, I don't want to die. So I just never, never did drugs and never really wanted to and really focused on, you know, whatever I was interested in. And at the time it was tennis. What
0: about your brother? Was he uh, in the same straight and narrow you were?
2: He was. Yeah, he was even better than me. Mm-hmm. I was like the wild one and I, I wasn't even that wild. He uh, he was so into sports and still is. That is his passion. I speak to him like four times a week on the phone and I spoke to him yesterday And he's like, I think uh, I got a lot done today at work and I'm just, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go shoot some hoops and listen to Tupac. Like he's, (laughs) he loves sports and he loves playing them and always has. And always he knows everything about every sports team, every player. I was never like that. I was always... I, I liked sports and I think I, I think I was athletic and I, I could play them well and I would play with him when he would ask me, but I would never really initiate it or anything. I would be like, okay, sure, let's play. But I was always interested in in business and and being creative and like drawing.
3: What'd you take in college?
2: I was a marketing major. I went to the University of Central Florida. Gonna be honest though, didn't appreciate education in college. I always did well, like I did well, I ended up doing well and hustling and did what I had to do to get good grades. I got A's and B's, but I wasn't in there excited to learn and like how I would be, you know, today. But uh studied marketing, graduated in 2006 from college. And you stayed and then, in Florida? Yeah. I, I I did. Yeah. Stayed in Florida. Yeah. You know,
0: in England, they have many countries in the world. When you get out of high school, mm-hmm. you have a gap year and then yeah, you start college. And we don't do that in America. You know, you kids go right from high school right into college. Mm-hmm. There's a tremendous amount of pressure to get into school. You know, mm-hmm. Oh, where did you apply? Where are you oh going? Oh my God. It was a lot and of And I think yeah. now if I had to do it over again with all four of my sons, I would have done that. I would have had them take a gap year when mm-hmm. they got out of high school, you know, traveled around the world. Do something and then start college. Yeah, I think that's my that they would. Yeah, I think it's a much better. You're a little more seasoned, a little more mature. Maybe even two years. I mean, you know, there's no. We have this sort of thing that if you don't go to college, oh my god, my kid's not going to college, and mm-hmm. there's a very taboo thing around that. But I don't. I don't believe that anymore.
2: I hundred percent agree. remember that
0: when you have kids, you know that you that to think about that in terms of that. I, you're I definitely not ready. Will. You're 19 years old. What's Let's that? Plan, you're only 19. Let's plan our lives at 19.
2: Experiences it, it means so much, right? So if you have that time to go experience other things, it just opens you up to so much more because you're so used to what you do every day. I mean, high school—it's like what are you experiencing, right? Um, even going away and seeing how other people live—that opens you up ideas for business and things that you're going to go you out into of your comfort zone as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. So that
3: you can be more open-minded.
2: Those little experiences, I think, mean so much and and really change who you are as a person and help kind of mold you into who you're going to be and what you want to do, right? So you go to college and you probably, I'd say 50% of the people study what they study or go into a certain majors because like what they were told or what someone suggest, suggested, you know, it's not really something they're passionate about.
3: Did you know from growing up with your dad and watching business, like you said at the beginning, did you always have in, in the back of your mind though when you were in school that you were going to come up with some business idea that you were going to do? No, no, you didn't no, have any of that. No
2: idea. In school, I was, I didn't even think about really what my career was going to be. It was, uh, I was just trying to get by and do the best I could in college and get good grades. So after I come out, I could get a job, not knowing what that job was going to be. After school, I just, I, I st- still didn't know what I was going to do. I graduated and then I moved back down to South Florida moved in with my parents. I, I didn't know what I was going to do as far as a job. So I started working a little bit with my dad, like not thinking that was going to be 100% what I was going to do. But let me just get into to, to work mode and, and have a little bit of a routine and a schedule. So I was doing that. But then I worked out at this local gym. And this guy I definitely want to name drop him because he's such a good guy. And his name's Greg Avedon. He was the nicest guy and he always worked out at this small gym and he just stood out. He was like the best looking guy you've ever seen. And he was like 6'3 and he was so kind and he would always help people with their workout routines, like always talkative, always putting 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 on a smile and helping people. So was he one, older than you? Yeah, yeah. He was probably, let's say, 42 at the time. Mm-hmm. He might be in his early 50s now. So he and I were working out. I, I didn't know him, but I was like, oh, are you working out here or whatever? I needed to do lat pull downs. He's like, yeah, man, work in with me. And we started talking and he said, oh, have you ever thought about modeling and stuff? I said, no. And he says, that's what I do. And I think you could, you know, you could maybe do it. So he even said, I'll never forget. He's like, oh, I'll introduce you to my agency there. It's called Ford. Now I know Ford's like one of the biggest agencies ever. And I was like, is that like a car? Is that like from the car company or something? I had no clue. So, long story short, with that, he introduced me to them. I ended up signing with them, but then switching to Irene Marie, which was another agency in, in South Beach. So, while that was happening, I was working with my dad, going to the office and like bringing like a change of clothes if I needed to, either like a suit. If you know, because I was getting auditions and castings, so I'd bring like a suit and then also like a bathing suit in case the casting was like, hey, you got to be shirtless or something. My dad was so cool and and, and just wanted me to be happy and said, "Okay, come to work. If you have to leave at 12, go ahead. And if you want to come back, great. And when I was working with my dad, I actually was really enjoying it because his dad started the company in Philadelphia. So it was like the three of us all working together. It was pretty amazing, especially like looking back on it. So they started putting me on tape, Irene Marie. They'd put me on tape to do auditions that were happening in, in California, in LA, for soap operas. I wasn't a good actor, but this, this, this one girl, Bridget, I believe her name was Bridget, she was so sweet and she would always help me with these auditions because I wasn't good because I had no experience acting. But she said, okay, let's, uh, let's, let's get you on tape for this one and we're going to do this all day. Now, a normal audition thing would take an hour, tops. Like, we worked on it for about eight hours. The casting director didn't know this, but it ended up coming out really good because we worked on it for eight hours. I even think, like, I shed a real tear in the audition. So they called, and it was for Passions. It was a, a soap opera called Passions, which is. Now canceled, but uh, yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, there's only
0: two soap operas left because you can't make any exa- money on them anymore.
2: Exactly. Let's talk about how they like were negotiating with my agent what the pay was going to be. So this is like a couple months out of, out of college, right? I'm, I, I'm working with my dad a little bit. Like I have this opportunity. This is something I'll never forget too. My family and I, just quick side note, this isn't normal, maybe, but we would always, when we'd come home, just like get into our pajamas. And then I realized growing up that not many people do that. They stay in, in their normal clothing. And then when they go to bed again, not us, like come home five o'clock parents, like everyone's just in their pajamas. Like I was in my, my undies or whatever, my brother in his underwear, my dad in his, in his boxers and this old shirt, which I kept and I love. Um and then my mom in like a big T-shirt, um, <laughs> which now I'm realizing was a little odd, <laughs> but uh, you that's know, funny. families. That's, that's so fun I remember I was in my underwear while on the phone with my agent, like, and they're telling me how much money I'm potentially going to make for this thing, and I'm freaking out. I, I'm I'm like guaranteed to do four episodes a week and fifteen hundred dollars an episode, and I was. I couldn't believe this, like this kind of money. I was so excited. So I remember running into across the, the house, not like our house was that big, but I ran really fast across the house in my underwear. And I was like, mom, dad, like this is crazy. I'm going to go to LA and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be rich and famous. Not that I wanted that, but I was just, I couldn't believe that this was happening, right? This wasn't like in the plan or anything. And so it was very exciting. And honestly, a week later, I flew out to LA for a screen test. Keep in mind, I was not good at acting. I did, right? So I did this and uh, there was something missing. I was going to be an actor, but I didn't know how to act. So I show up. I show up to, to CBS studios and it's like everything you see in the movies. I mean, there's all these little, little studios within the studios and the green room and people speaking over the intercom and my heart's going crazy I'm so scared. I'm so nervous. Like this is not. This is so out of my comfort zone. I go into the green room. Green room. I call my parents. I'm like, I can't do this. Like, there's no way. There's all these cameras. They tell me where the scene's gonna be. There's like, dudes setting it up and making sure everything's okay. And they call me out to do just like a run through. My love interest comes out, who I'm doing the scene with, and I'm 24 at the time, and she's like. 32, which is fine, but she's older. And sh- the first thing she says to me is like, oh my God, you're like so young for this part. And I'm like, oh, That makes my confidence. Uh, <laughs> now like, I'm comforted. Yeah. yeah, this is great. So you don't think I'm good for it? Perfect. I'm just going to go cry. And uh, I ended up not getting the job, obviously. They called me like two <laughs> weeks later. I was like, oh, surprise. They gave it to <laughs> some guy who's been acting since he was like two and a half.
3: It took a lot of courage for you to do that.
2: Because yeah. it's not something yeah. like you're
3: saying, oh, I want to go be an actor, but you worked hard at it. You're, mm-hmm. I mean, you're lovely. You exude this really beautiful energy. Thank so you. I can see that people want you to do well, and I can see that you wanted to help you. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like it was your path, but you were working hard. Right. You were right. taking it on. You weren't fluffing through it. Mm-hmm. You fly all the way to LA. You even admit you're not, a, like it doesn't come <laughs> naturally. Like mm-hmm. that takes a lot of courage to even put yourself in that position.
2: Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. I what was did just, you learn? Uh,
3: anything now, in hindsight, you could say that you
2: learned from that that was helpful. I mean, that was just something that's like just go, just say yes and and do it. You know, like yeah. wow, what what a regret that would have been if I was like, I'm not an actor. This is really scary. I'm just going to stay in Florida. Were you uh, waiting in L.A.? I was in L.A. Yeah, I was in L.A. So they
0: put you. They brought you here. They put you up here. You took your screen test, and yep. then you were just tiddling around waiting. To hear from them. Exactly. And did waiting you know around. anybody in LA when you were sitting around waiting?
2: I knew one dude. And his name was Jeff Pickle, but we call him Pickle. <laughs> and, uh, I ended up getting on, on this reality show. And okay, you ready for the name? Yeah. Okay. Aye, aye, aye. It was on VH1 <laughs> and it was called America's Most Smartest Model.
0: Most smartest model.
2: Yeah. Grammatically, it was incorrect.
0: That was absolutely incorrect. Yeah.
2: So, and I actually was really hesitant to go on that show because they told me the name of it. And I was like, you guys are just going to make fun of me and make me look stupid and da, da, da. And they said, you just, just trust us. You're going to do a good job. Like if, as long as you're smart, (laughs) you're going to be okay. It's like the
0: diamond broker. Just trust me.
2: (laughs) Exactly. And, um, I went into it and I this was I said all right let's do it. And basically we filmed this reality show for 3 weeks up in this mansion on Mulholland Drive and it went really well. I ended up getting coming in like 4th place. Ooh. And it was uh it was really it was a great a great experience. So on this show is how I met Pickle. We became like this bromance. We became really good buddies, (laughs) like high five and trying to team up together on the show. And you know, you gotta form your alliances. So he was my boy. I I learned so much actually from modeling because I was always into being creative and marketing. So I had so many experiences working with other companies and I loved business. So I would always pay attention and always ask about the products and always ask about look at the look at the photos they were doing and what who, who they were trying to target and how much their products cost. And, um, you know, knew I would even throw out ideas to like marketing teams. Sometimes they didn't like that. But <laughs> I was just like innate in me to be creative and try and think of cool ways to, and new ideas. And so I, I just always like, that's what I liked about modeling. That was like the one thing I did like, I guess it was just I'm not going to say the stupidest thing ever, but it was it was not something I was passionate about standing and taking pictures. Let's just say it was kind of mundane. And you also at
0: this point in time had left Florida, Mm -hmm. had come to California. Mm -hmm. Your family remained in Florida. Your mother must have been heartbroken that you left and didn't come back. Yeah, and she then, still is. She's hey, still sure. like uh,
2: texting me. Hey, yeah, when you I mean, come back, my children are within
0: <laughs> you know tether distance. <laughs> you <don't I'm>, care.
2: <laughs> I know. I, I think you guys are so lucky to have that. I always uh, am a little jealous of you that you guys are all well, that's within like we a. include you in the circle. I know. Thank you. Yeah. Great. you. Which is kidding. why we
0: were so happy to have you come here today to be interviewed because your story is such an interesting story. Mm-hmm. And we have an opportunity to, you
1: know, really explore what's going on with you. So I never knew that part of your life story. So this is great. I'm just curious, like what I hear when you're talking about being a model and being in that situation is, you know, you were doing the job and the job part of it wasn't the passionate sort of point for you. But Mm -hmm. you very quickly realized there, there was something to learn. And you're very, it sounds like you're very curious person. Can you talk about that earlier in your life? Like were you always sort of like you'd go and you'd size up a situation and figure out like what can I what can I take from this and how can I bring my own sort of separate perspective and creativity?
2: Good question. I, I think that um, I, I might have been doing that unknowingly. You know what I mean? Like now I know that what I'm interested in and and what I kind of seek to learn in situations maybe. But uh, when I was younger, I think I was asking a lot of questions Mm -hmm. and trying to learn, but not unknowingly. I was just interested and curious, like you said, like, what is this made out of? Where did you get this? (laughs) And I don't even like now speaking to my grandpa, I see that I don't know if it's in like our our blood or whatever (laughs) it is, but maybe he was asking those questions and my dad was asking those questions. So then it kind of passed along to me of just, yeah, being interested yeah. In, in in things and, and people too and understanding. I love hearing about people's stories because it's like, how did you get here, right? Like when Even when people are driving like nice cars, it's like interesting because I see it's not easy to drive a nice car. It's very hard to get to, to you know, the <laughs> world right. is competitive. So it's like, what did you do? Like, what was your journey to get there? And Maybe I can learn something from that. And you just take like these little nuggets from everything like without getting too like specific on every conversation, but everything is a learning experience mm-hmm. and you learn from every single person. Mm-hmm. This this guy I spoke to two months ago, he was um a contractor because we had to get some work done at the warehouse. I ended up talking to him for like two hours, smartest guy ever. And he took what I took away from that, well, I took away like 10 things from that conversation. But one thing was that every human is your teacher. Every person you can learn from. The worst person on the planet you learn from. The, the, the person that you have absolutely nothing in common with, you learn from. And everyone is your teacher. And if you recognize people like that, then you can't get mad at someone, right? Because they're just teaching you. It might be like a Buddhist saying, humans are all our teachers, something along those lines. But what you said just
0: now, in my mind, has always been the difference between what makes people have successful journeys, not necessarily um, measured by money, but to have Mm -hmm. successful journeys in their life and those that don't. Mm -hmm. You have to be open to accepting those journeys and to be able to accept the information that's coming towards you and if you're not open to it and you're just close to it, then you don't grow from that experience.
2: Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. So just
1: the behavior of asking questions. I mean, like so many times people don't ask questions. And like if the lesson I think that our listeners could get from what you just said is your your grandfather asked a lot of questions. Your dad asked a lot of questions. You ask a lot of questions. It's, it's a way of being that you can choose that actually can be a very re- enriching way of being. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of kind of interesting and that that sort of gratitude in a way for everything that comes your way because it's something you can use and process and put to use 100% agree mm-hmm. i definitely mm-hmm. couldn't agree more with that mm-hmm. at some point in time did you give up the
0: acting modeling path and decide to do something different
2: the acting and modeling actually was going pretty well and i was booking jobs and the the acting i was doing okay but i was doing like so, some modeling and commercials mm-hmm. so I was making okay money and 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 I also had a lot of downtime though. You know, being in that industry, it's like you're waiting for castings, waiting for auditions. It's kind of hard to be proactive. So, after 5 5 years of doing that full-time, I was I was living with other some other buddies in Studio City and I remember I was only paying four hundred and fifty dollars in rent. That was the best <laughs> time ever. Um yeah. so basically I was like, what am I doing? Like I was twenty I was about to be twenty eight. I was and and in this time I, I lost I lost my, my dad. So that was that was a very hard time for me and When I was home, like at auditions by myself or waiting for auditions by myself, I would be kind of sad, you know, so I knew I wanted to do something for him. And after time goes by, time is a good thing and a bad thing because it's like great, you know, you you forget things. Time makes you forget things, which is good. But I didn't want to forget my dad. So I wanted to start something in his memory. So I... Thought of the of starting Good Human, a uh, uh, clothing line, and that's what happened after I start stopped kind of modeling. I, I I thought, okay, I want to do something for him. Your
0: business is one that is a business that has heart, mm-hmm. and you give back in your business, and you give back in the name of your dad, but you also mm-hmm. give back in the names of other things that wrap around this space. So if you wouldn't mind if you could expand on that a little bit and talk about your dad's journey, I don't mm-hmm. want to make you feel sad, but
2: no 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 i'm 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 kind of uh it's it's a different feeling of uh than being sad now because now it's just like so it's, it's part it's part of my life, and I've learned so much, and uh, the experience has brought me to where I am today, and I think that's just how life is and it's helped me in a lot of ways too and, and you know have perspective on things and and how Important life is um, so yeah he um, he was the best dad ever best best uh, best uh, dad best husband he was so good to my mom I saw them get in one fight and it was about that they obviously had two closets but <laughs> my mom kept encroaching on my dad's closet. And my dad was so easygoing and nice and treated my mom like a princess. This was like the one time he put his foot down and he's like, no more clothes in my closet. And she was like, just a little bit more, just a little I don't have any space. <laughs> and he's like, no. And he said, no. And that was like the one time that-, and that there that was a fight. You know, that <laughs> wow. was a fight. That was as serious as it got. That's a big
0: yeah, deal, wow, by the way. I've fights. never shared, I'm married 40 years. I've never shared a closet with my husband. There you go. I also yeah. don't encroach, but I've never shared a closet with my husband.
2: <laughs> you, you gotta, you know, you pick and choose your battles. Yeah, that's and that was their That was their battle. So yeah, he, he worked his ass off six days a week, always always in the office. Never in a bad mood, ever. I I don't know what was wrong with him. He was just always happy. He'd come home from work, obviously stressed. I mean, he pretty much ran this business, We had a great relationship. I remember, you know, he'd jump. I had a twin bed. He'd come into bed with me, like rub his beard on me, you know, because when you shave and like two days later, this is when I was young. But things I remember, he would give me like these tuck-ins where I'd be stuck in there. (laughs) Like a burrito?
1: the burrito, (laughs) you know. And
2: uh, I just remember all my memories of him are just, they're perfect. And it was really hard because obviously... I have those memories and then I have the memories of him being in the hospital and going through chemo. He had non-Hodgkins lymphoma. It was really it was really tough losing him. But then I like, you know, you, you learn. You learn from everything. And you just kinda the first year was terrible. And then it as time goes by, you you it gets not as terrible. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm gonna start this company for him. And I, I remember I was uh this is kind of funny. I was in New York. And I saw a, an infomercial. And this is like the time when I was like, I'm gonna start a clothing line. I had no clue how I was gonna do this though. So. so I said, okay, I was watching this infomercial and it was for a screen printing machine and it was called the You Do Screen Printer. And it was basically because <laughs> you do it yourself uh, genius name. <laughs> I was like, I can Clear. With the You Do Screen Printing machine. <laughs> So they're like, you can screen print your t-shirts anywhere for your fraternity, your sorority, your baseball team, whatever you want. So anyways, I ordered the screen printing machine. It showed up to my apartment in, in Studio City where I was, you know, living with my buddies. They're like, what is this? And I was like, I'm going to set up the screen printing machine in our downstairs bathroom. And I'm sorry. And uh, <laughs> so I set it up. I got a wholesale <laughs> account to like American Apparel and Alternative Apparel I wanted to put like inspirational messages, some things that he said, some things that I thought were cool on shirts. I started screen printing t-shirts in my bathroom and I had no clue what I was doing, who I was going to sell them to. Then there's like a long, there's, there's a time in there where I, I was curious and I was asking everyone questions and I would talk to anyone I knew who knew anything about clothing. And then I met these creative guys. They helped me with some photo shoots. Then I asked them about clothing. Because I didn't like the shirts I was printing on. Then I met these other guys and they had great shirts. And then I traded them modeling for their shirts. So I got shirts Mm. for free. And then I became friends with them. And then I rented space from them in their warehouse. And then I was doing like a little bit of modeling and acting at this time. So I was making a little bit of money. So that, which I was lucky with that, that I didn't have to like raise capital to start. And then I said, how does this business work? And they taught me kind of how the business worked. I got a sample set made. And then I started going to boutiques and hustling and talking to every boutique I could. And then I got into one boutique, Dari. I think they closed. Great people. Not
0: because of you, though. Brooke
2: and Leah. No, they're like, we bought too much good human and we (laughs) couldn't pay our bills. (laughs) No, No, that didn't happen. But... um,
0: there's good human on the top of my page oh, six nice. that I look at every day.
2: We're retargeting you.
0: I just want to ask you,
3: um, how did you come up with the name? And I absolutely love this the first logo, the first slogan you did. My life story will be a good one. Yeah, that says so much about you.
2: I was I was at a friend's house and I was playing with a dog, a little teacup Yorkie, and it was like really late at night, and we were all just hanging out. And I just love this Yorkie. It was like the cutest thing I've ever seen. And I kept playing with it. I was, and then I was like laying on the floor with it and it was doing like, it was like licking me. And I said, now these people knew I wanted to start, start the company. And uh, I was like thinking of the name at the time. Like, what am I gonna call this company? And I called the dog a good human. I said, you're such a little good human. <laughs> And my buddy was like, dude, that's a good name for the club." <laughs> <laughs> that was it. I go, that's a great name. That was it. And I always loved like being creative and doing a play on words and stuff. And I was like, well, it's about people. It's about you. And, and that night I thought like, I'm going to call it good human, but replace the you with Y-O-U and kind of base it around that. And that's, that's how the name came, came about.
0: <laughs> and then from that, Yorkie. though, I mean, your whole everything about your business model
2: mm-hmm.
0: is you being a good human mm-hmm. and paying it forward. Definitely. So I love that. I never knew that. Actually, I always thought that the name came from your whole point of view about the charitable universe and that you wanted to be a good human. But now I know I like your story better. <laughs> so, I mean,
2: it yeah. is. It, oh, it always was coming from like a positive place. But the name came from the Yorkie. Yeah, so at that point I didn't have enough money for a trade show. So but I knew this guy who sold neckties and he didn't have enough money either. So we split a booth. We went to Vegas. Mm-hmm. We went to project. It was called ENK then, I think. So, anyways, though so we went to Vegas, we went to the, the apparel trade show there, and I went with one of my buddies, and it was the most intimidating experience. Maybe equal to, you know, showing up and doing a screen test at CBS. <laughs> CBS.
3: Yeah, but you'd already done that. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. so there That's you go. That see? Me. That yeah. Me.
2: So, they're just so big, first of all. Yeah, yeah they're massive. And yeah. I was like next to Tommy Hilfiger, and I was like, who's going to like see Good Human in a split booth? With the necktie guy, I'm like, this is not. I'm not excited about this. It cost. I don't know if it's cost me thirty five hundred dollars. It was seven thousand dollars for the booth. We split it thirty five hundred each.
0: Which at that time in your life was probably an immense amount of money. Yeah,
2: yeah, that was definitely a lot of money. And I was, but I was also really um, excited about the brand and and getting a good response. So I was re- pretty confident about the the product at least, but not about this 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 trade show. I was like, what's going on here? So I showed up, didn't know, didn't know much. I was like, okay. Uh, I didn't have set really prices on wholesale either. I was like, okay, I'll put them around $15. I want to, maybe I'll make them a little less expensive. I didn't even know what MSRP was. I knew nothing, but I knew they cost me around $7 at the time. So I was like, I'll just sell them for like 15. That should be good. So I... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know who the people are based on the color badges they're wearing. So the, everyone who owned a boutique had a blue color badge. So I told myself at the beginning of the show, I'm not going to leave the booth. I'm not going to eat. I'm going to like just get food brought to me You know, if someone goes to eat. Because I knew a couple of people, oh, you're going to eat some meat? Bring it to me. Okay. Don't leave the booth and talk to every single person who has a blue badge on. And that's what I did. So... I People walk by I say, hey, if you have one second, I just i I'd love to tell you about my clothing line. It's called Good Human. I go, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. And I would say, hey, I started this company. It's called Good Human. I, I started in memory of my dad, and it's based around the idea that everyone has a story. Um, price points are really good. Everything's made in LA. Um, and at this point, we didn't feature people's stories on the back of all the hang tags, which we do now. But at this point there was the picture of like i always started with a picture of my dad and i on 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 the hang tag so that was from the beginning but the stories came in a little later and i was like just just come check it out and i talked to them for a second and then i'd maybe get an order here and there and then after like 20 minutes i got a ten thousand dollar order from a japanese client that walked in they didn't even talk to me they go okay okay they they take out their own purchase order ten thousand dollars I was so excited. I was running around. I was high-fiving people. <laughs> I, I can't believe this just happened. I mean, that made the show, right? And then I just... Got you back your, your $3,500. Yeah, $3, yeah. You went, yeah you went, made my money back. I ended up making in three days $30,000 at that show. Now, it wasn't like profit, but the business made... Th- and I said, okay, something's going on here. I, ha- I have something here. Every shirt had the same aesthetic. It was, it was a little message in Helvetica New, bold, and it was three inches by three inches. That's it. every single shirt, but a different message, different color. it was very easy. I loved I loved it when it was like that too. Um, I still love it now, but um, so so yeah, that was that was the trade show. That's how I got into that. Then I hired someone. he, he helped me with screen printing t-shirts. Um, I'll fast forward a little bit and I so I had one employee, then I needed someone. then I got some showrooms that helped sell it, then I, we were producing more. I was doing all the production, running around downtown LA, trying to figure out how to do that, do cut and sew, because I, I stopped with the, the blanks and figured out how to make my own t-shirts, ordering fabric, going to the dye house, everything's garment dyed, so it's really good quality, messing up a lot, figuring things out and learning, and just that whole process, and all getting into more boutiques. Getting into better stores than this boutique's calling this, and then you know, 30 stores turned into 100, turned into 200, and now we're in over like a thousand specialty boutiques, and we're selling to like Equinox and Planet Blue and Anthropology, Nordstrom's, Urban Outfitters, and it's it's it's. And how long has it been that this journey's been going on? A little over five years, and we're in like a five thousand square foot warehouse uh, just south of downtown LA in Vernon, where we—it's our office and our and where we distribute from. Um,
0: what do you think yeah. differentiates yourself today from other people who are in your business that have started out? Besides, well, I guess the obvious is the fact that everything that you say has something inspirational on it. Mm-hmm. And who writes those? Do you do that?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I probably. I'd say i think about of think of about ninety percent of them, and then people like we have a designer, she helps people throw out some good ideas sometimes, some people on the street yeah <laughs> wherever we can get inspiration yeah
0: i too I was telling you earlier that I go to Pilates all the time, and mm-hmm. now I see your shirts everywhere mm-hmm. you know i've known you a long time and now i see them popping up. Oh, i say that i know that guy he's I love it. I love and it. the quality of the good. of the product is really good which i think is really important yeah now don't you have a model that some of your money that you that you gain from selling your business goes to charities
2: we've been trying to i think this is a struggle for a lot of uh brands um and companies of like what is your what's your voice right? And we know we're good humans. We know we do the best we can. We know we collaborate with charities. We know we give back. But it's like, how can we put that into a definitive message that is easy to understand? So before, what we were doing is just like finding charities and and trying to collaborate just off a whim, like calling them good collaborations, which we're still doing. And we're always open to opportunities where it makes sense. We just did this is something in a perfect example of what we just did is literally last week. We're like, OK, it's Earth Day. We definitely want to do something to give back. So we called the Surfrider Foundation. We're, we're giving back a portion of the proceeds from yesterday and today to, to that foundation, you know, and it's like it's great that we're doing that and we're super happy about it. But we want to make it more of part of who we are. So what we're going to start doing, which I'm really excited about, because every season we feature someone's new story, an inspirational story on the back of all of our hang tags, whatever hardship or something that they've overcome. And, it, and that's what we're about, sharing stories. And then from whatever that story is now, we're going to give back to a charity or a foundation that aligns with that story. So there's passion from the person who's submitting the story, which we're passionate about. And then we can really like... Build on that instead of just like, hey, let's work with this charity and give back, and we want to like really build on the seasonality of the stories that we promote and an, and a charity that can align with that story and really focus our marketing on that and who we are. So we're oh we've always been giving back and it's always been a part of who we are, but now we're really going to do it in like a specific way that we're. That we're excited about and passionate about. <laughs> what would you
3: say your purpose is? Like, do you do? You, can you kind of express that? Like, In for life? you, yeah, for you uh, as a as a human. Like, what's your purpose?
2: Just always being something positive for some someone. Leaves leaves anyone that I interact with with like, hey, I, I like that guy. He's you know, and then maybe a little bit more substance than that at some times. But like, I think it's someone said like. It's hard to change the world but you can like at least try. I'm trying to make a positive change in 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 the world with every and whether that's giving back, whether that's a small interaction, whether it's like just giving a, a homeless person you know something and making them smile less about what I'm giving them but more like what what I am giving them is just gonna make them smile you know what I mean and just uh, all I want to do is help people. I think uh, I had a guy who, has a a clothing business and he came over yesterday and I talked to him for two hours at, at, at our office. And it's um my pleasure to do anything I can to help someone from making mistakes that I've made, whether it's in life or in business, because people have helped me. And I think uh, as humans, like innately, we want to help people. You know what I mean? People like giving their opinions. People like offering help to people. And I, I like doing that too. And and in a selfless and selfish way, you know? So, yeah.
1: I I agree with that because sometimes when you let somebody help you, you elevate them because they've done something. Mm -hmm. Like there are so few opportunities to really help people. Mm -hmm. And if you get that opportunity, the person who's asking for the help is doing something for the person who's giving the help. 100%. Yeah. Mm Yeah. I think
0: too that in the overriding quality that you have is that you're likable. I've never seen you demonstrate Two qualities that I abhor. One of them is greed, and the other one is being very self-absorbed. Neither one of those qualities uh, I've ever never seen them in you. you, and you certainly have had an opportunity. As a lot of people, when they start to hit their you know level of success, become very um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, a little braggy, a little you know, hey, look at me, I'm so cool. Mm-hmm. You've never demonstrated that. And I think that you've always kept your head on straight and you are clearly riding the crest of something now that is coming towards you. You know, more people know about you. Your business is growing, but you're not showing any, even in this conversation today, there's still no greed. There's more thankfulness than there is greed.
2: Mm -hmm. I'm a a big believer of, you know, whoever your parents are and whoever raises you kind of is who you're going to become. Obviously, you can can change and you become your own person, but... I am thankful and grateful because that's how my parents kind of raised me to be and they never thought they were cool or, you know, they always spoke highly of people and not really negative, n- no, not really like talking shit about people. That's not, it was always like a positive outlook. There are seven good examples. And they were they were the best examples. And so was my brother and still is, you know, and... Um, but it's also
3: recognizing your own temperament. Mm-hmm. As great a job as your parents did, you are who you are, and sounds like very much like your dad, mm-hmm. probably a lot like your mom. Mm-hmm. So, sort of embracing the loveliness about you, mm-hmm. and then appreciating what your parents taught you.
2: Definitely, I really love good people too. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to say that because I I want to believe that more people may be good than there really are, but you come across amazing people sometimes and it's like, it's the best feeling ever. And that's so, that's what life is about too, just being around those amazing people. There are some people that you can just call amazing and that's not easy to do, where they're just, they have huge hearts, they want you to do well, that you're there for them, they're there for you. And I just kind of, you know, I'm positive about that. I never, ever speak badly about like people's looks or anything like that i i really don't like when people do that um i always try and think and that was like a big thing that happened to me after my dad passed away was like you don't know someone's story everyone has a story that is what good human is you have no clue if someone calls someone overweight or ugly you have no clue what maybe that person lost 200 pounds in the last year and they're like so happy, and they're eating McDonald's because they deserve it that day, and you have no clue. And, and how no dare anyone right to judge anyone that? To judge that? You like, know. just bring people up, you know, yeah. and and people are going to recognize that in you too. It's just so that's that's I don't know. That's that's what yeah. I think. If it was <laughs> only
0: the you're world, you're a wise, like
3: yeah. evolved soul for someone young. It's so inspiring. I'm actually not that young. I'm, not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: gonna be 33 next week. Ooh. Next week, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, my birthday. Oh, you up. might as well pack it in now. Yeah. Oh, I t- have at least like 62 gray hairs now. I mean, it's. it's what I would you? When I had first gray uh-huh. hair.
3: What would you tell your 18-year-old <laughs> self from all this wisdom now, at coming into 33?
2: Enjoy every day. Appreciate the people around you. For the for, that's the biggest thing because you're you're at your job. You need to be appreciative with the people that that you surround yourself with and and really kind of like take it as it's like in slow motion right if you're watching yourself in slow motion like you would want to see yourself smiling you'd want to see yourself happy hugging people warmth affection you know like love and another thing is just like understand whatever situation you're in to live by get to's like i get to do this instead of have to do this like there's so many things that we get to do that no one, other people don't get to do. Even small things. I, I can't And and it helps to like get out of your comfort zone and get away from what you're doing for a little bit to come back to your normal situation and routine because you'll be more appreciative towards it. I was just away in Asia for a little bit and you come back to America and it's just like the small little things that we get here that we take for granted. It's like just appreciating those things. And it's something that I recommend is writing in a journal. I do that and it's very meditative and it really puts your days into perspective and that you have all these things going on in your head. But when you put things on paper, you put down usually the most important things and the things that affected you that day. And you can also see your growth. I like read back and it's like crazy because you get so involved in your day to day life. You don't see see the growth. But when you look back in a journal and you write it down, that's like a huge thing. I recommend everyone kind of does because you you live, life goes by so fast.
0: Brett, thank you so much for joining us Thanks today. Brett. Thanks, thank Brett.
2: Thank you for having You're me. A real thank inspiration.
0: You so much. Next time on Say It Forward, you'll meet Donna Mills, an actress and producer who began her television career in the mid-60s with a recurring role on The Secret Storm and appeared on Broadway in Woody Allen's Don't Drink the Water. She made her film debut opposite Beau Bridges and Martin Sheen in The Incident and then starred for three years in the Emmy-nominated soap Love is a Many Splendored Thing before she played the role of Toby Williams in the cult film Play Misty for Me. She went on to appear in many TV movies and such hits as The Six Million Dollar Man, Hawaii Five-0, The Love Boat, Chips, and Fantasy Island. But Donna is best known for her most notable and iconic role as the scheming vixen, Abby Cunningham, on the primetime soap, Knots Landing. She became a three-time winner of the Soap Opera Digest Awards, causing Interview Magazine to call her performance one of the strongest and most fascinating characters in pop history. Mills launched her own production company and began producing and starring in numerous TV movies. And in 2014, she joined the cast of General Hospital, for which she won a daytime Emmy. She also appeared in the Academy Award-nominated film Joy. So join us when we rewind to the beginning with timeless television icon Donna Mills on the next Say It Forward.
1: Thanks for listening to Say It Forward, Help us grow by subscribing to our podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or at www.sayitforwardpodcast.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on the iTunes store or like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.